0: Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting. And you're listening
1: to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Look, if LeChief is that well-connected, he knows who I am and where the money is coming from, which means he's decided to play me anyway. So he's either desperate or he's overly confident. But either way, that tells me something about him. And all he gets in return is a name he already has. Welcome back, you are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Casino Royale. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John.
0: Shaken, not stirred.
1: And to my left, we have the professor, Ken.
0: I've got a little itch
1: down there would you mind <laughs> you know, <laughs> i love after that he starts screaming no no to the to right, the right! <laughs> uh, yes absolutely uh we are talking tonight about the 2006 casino royale which was released on November sixteenth, two 2006 in the United Kingdom and November seventeenth, two 2006 in the United States. Hold up a sec. We were supposed to watch the 2006
0: version, not the 1967 version? Yeah, which version did you watch? The 1967
1: version. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Why is it always when we try to do something cool, fuckface hero always ruins it?
2: It'll be fine all right all right it, okay movie. so
1: in this so yeah in this instance when we're talking about daniel craig you just substitute that with woody allen
0: yeah i was gonna say it's basically the same movie right yeah okay
1: it was directed by martin campbell screenplay by neil purvis robert wade paul haggis based on the book casino royale by ian fleming and it stars daniel craig eva green mads mickelson jeffrey wright dame judy dench and a bunch of other people. So yeah, Casino Royale, James Bond. This is our first James Bond movie here at Three Guys. And going into this, uh John, you're not you weren't really a James Bond kind of guy. Were you?
0: No, I only think I've seen like a few James Bond movies, not very many
1: of them. Professor, where are you at? You you're all in, right? I'm all in. I've seen all of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. This is the 21st movie in the James Bond movie. Uh twenty two. I'm not counting never say never again. You're not? No, it's not. It's last because I heard, of, and of the, I could be bro- wrong. Because of the broccoli. Yeah, it's uh, and it's all come down to rights. And did you know that never say never again is actually just a thunderball remake? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It is. For me, I'm not gonna count it. If
2: memory serves me correctly, I think Sean Connery and Daniel Craig are the same age. Never say never again and Casino and uh uh No Time to Die. Really? I think if memory serves me correctly,
1: Daniel Craig looks way better than Sean Connery did. 53. Oh wow.
2: I think when he did No Time to Die, I think he was 53.
1: Interesting interesting um so yeah this is the 21st entry to the james bond uh films the james bond stories i guess you could say and this film is actually a kind of a reboot or a uh no i'm sorry it's not a reboot it is an origin story of how james bond became 007 and this is the first time we have seen this you know we've gone through connery moore Lazenby dalton and brosnan so i mean they the filmmakers wanted to do something different and or to tell the story because casino royale was a novel right it's one of the only three movies of james bond that actually have the novel title uh as i'm told so yeah this this was going to be a big one
0: i read that the uh Director and the writers purposely wanted this to not only be a reboot, but the idea of it is that it takes place in a different timeline. That's why they could bring back some characters, but it's still a retelling.
1: A uh, timeline to what? The original? Just the original
0: series. It's still in the, you know, kind of in a different Bond universe. Oh. When, when the
2: uh, James Bond movies started coming out, they couldn't secure the rights for Casino Royale. And so they decided to move forward and they went on with Dr. No. As the stories and the movies progressed, the uh, rights for Casino Royale finally were awarded to the Broccoli's in 2000. And when that happened, the Broccoli's decided that this is a time that we can kind of sort of mature the character and bring him into the 21st century. And so they wanted to take their time and do it right and have James Bond be somebody of today and not necessarily having to deal with the baggage, if you will, of what has been before this.
1: Yeah, and absolutely, right? Uh, James Bond, he's a, a controversial character, just to say the least, right? He's misogynistic, he's abusive, he's an asshole. I mean, he's throughout the years, he, he's not painted in a very good light.
0: But he has fun doing it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he's fucking James Bond, right? Yeah,
0: So, so they took
2: their time, and they were very, very eager to have Martin Campbell... Uh, direct it, and they were uh, they were kind of picky with the writers as well. Paul Purvis, Robert Wade, these guys, they started uh, with The World Is Not Enough, and both of these guys, they wrote The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, and then eventually all of the Daniel Craig movies. And uh, Paul Haggis, he was also uh, responsible for part of the writing of this as well, and they were really excited to have Paul Haggis. Uh, he eventually goes on to uh to do crash he, he wrote and directed crash and he also ended up uh doing million dollar baby uh, flags of our fathers and uh letters from iwo jima so letters from iwo jima and flags of our fathers he also did that this same year that he did casino royale busy yeah. guy and so all of the time that they spent with this was to make sure that they put their best foot forward. And the rest of the Bond crew, if you will, all behind the scenes, a lot of the production crew had done pretty much all of the James Bond movies for like the last 30 years or so. Yeah, And I think that they really did a magnificent job at, show,
1: at showing a new Bond. Oh, I agree. This movie kind of blew me away. Uh, I remember seeing it in 2006 and I remember loving it. And I've been a fan of Daniel Craig ever since. And, you know, there was controversy when he was first cast. Uh, people were pissed off about the blonde Bond, right? Well, guess what, fuckers? You were all wrong because he's fucking been fantastic. And how many? He's got five, right? That is the third most of the six guys that have played Bond so mm-hmm.
2: yeah it, it's crazy when you look at roger moore I, he had what
1: seven i think yeah i think so pretty
0: crazy and speaking of that how did this movie do don uh
1: this movie was made for 150 million and it brought in 617 million and
0: from, from what i read isn't that the most a bond movie has brought in i don't know did I, you read that i believe it was the most successful bond movie to date at that point
1: at that point yeah yeah so yeah. for
0: all the people who doubted he could do it He pulled in the bucks.
1: Well, yeah, they gave us a great story, and they gave us a fun beginning, and I really dug it. You know, I I really dug this film. It's interesting that you bring up uh, what the writers wrote prior to this, The World is Not Enough and Die Another Day, because both not very good Bond films. Agreed. You know what I mean? Totally agree. So they turn it around. Maybe they got lessons learned or, you know, they grew as writers because Casino Royale feels like a completely different movie, which is it, which it is, uh, but it's still a Bond movie, right?
2: Well, well, so I think that what has happened, and I'm sure this is directly because of the Broccolis, they have gone back to the essence and to the core of what Bond is supposed to be. And Bond is not supposed to be, you know, sort of, a nice or happy guy. He is meant to be ruthless and cold and uh, having this uh, icy demeanor, not only to, you know, his enemies, but also to other people around him as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier, this is one of the first ones to actually use a title from the book. And they, from what I've read, they followed pretty closely to the book's storyline. Those other two movies that you mentioned, were those based off of books, or did those follow the book storylines at all?
1: Uh, you know, I'm not really sure. I don't, I've don't. i never read a James Bond book, so I couldn't tell you. I think uh, The Spy Who Loved Me is one, and maybe Moonraker is the other. Um, I
0: was going say, because maybe this movie was so good, because the writers had something to work from that was true to his nature.
1: Uh, Maybe, and they probably had a better outline, you know? And if this is the book about him gaining his double-O status, then, yeah, it was pretty spot-on. I have a question. What do you think makes James
0: Bond be James Bond? John, do you have any thoughts about this? Well, again, being kind of a novice to the Bond and only seeing the previous Bonds, this was a great, for someone who's not, you know, that much into a great introduction of, first of all, and first and foremost, Bond seems to be a blunt instrument. He is basically someone that they send out to get it done and they give him mission parameters, doesn't always stick to his mission parameters, but he gets it done. He also is a bit of a playboy as well as, you know, has the kind of the witty one-liners and the movie seem to fit it all and that seems to work for this Bond character. He is the spy who, you know, through sheer skill or just pure luck always manages to get it done.
1: Which is interesting that you say that because the Bonds that the professor and I are used to uh, very much were the charmer Mm -hmm. and um, the ladies' man and uh, little quippy puns here and there. I think the quippy puns really came into play with Roger Moore's uh, James Bond, but Sean Connery had them every once in a while. Well, that Mm -hmm. was
0: what I was going to say too, is the one I'm most familiar with is Sean Connery. And I don't know why, but the essence of Sean Connery, I kind of felt that sometimes in some of the dialogue of Daniel Craig.
1: Oh, sure, sure. And and maybe it was some inspiration on, on uh, Craig's part, but, yeah. What about you? What makes a Bond a Bond, do you think?
2: Bond needs to be cunning. He also needs to be sly, uh, sensible, and uh, uh, calm. Yeah. And he is... Uh, he, I, I think that he also really needs to be, well, overall, he's always really intelligent. And, and, and he's, uh, he's very sure of himself. His confidence, he, he, he couldn't care less if what he is doing is the best thing to do or not. If this is what he's decided to do, he's going to do it. And he has no reservations about it because he decided to do it and so be it. Sure.
0: Don, yours?
1: When, when I think of James Bond, I think of the ultimate super spy. Right. So uh, all the qualities, I'll echo what the professor said about cunning and, you know, getting the job done no matter what it takes. And that's what James Bond does. And um, I think what also makes a Bond a Bond to me is the Walther PPK, which he doesn't have in this film. And when I was watching this movie for the first time, I kept thinking, I kept looking for the things that would make it a James Bond film the gun barrel in the beginning the opening sequence and then the title sequence you know just everything that's become traditional in a james Bond movie and most of it was there but it was sprinkled in and it was very subtle Mm -hmm. in uh in the in casino royale and i think that fans of james bond got it right away and people who are going to get turned on to it and go through the series and then go oh well fuck maybe i will go watch uh live and let die oh fuck maybe i will go watch you know the Spy who loved me they'll get it too and it, it all just kind of encompassed it so um yeah long way around it that's what makes a bond a bond for me
0: do you know the seven rules to receive double o
1: status uh i really only know one and and that's that you have to have two kills.
0: I guess when they were doing promotion in Japan, they handed out leaflets that had these seven rules to receive double O status, which is funny because on the rules it doesn't say anything about the two kills. So maybe they just save that for the movie. Number 1 was you don't fear death and you won't give in to torture. Number 2, you have to have Olympic level shooting skills. Number 3, even if you double-cross your own parents, you'll never double-cross the organization. Number four, you have knowledge that would surprise even a scholar and a sense of humor that would make a bad girl grin. Number five, you have, so, you have the sociability of a lamb, but you remain a lone wolf. Number six, you have the highest level of experience with alcohol, gambling, cars, and food. And number seven, you can fall in love But you can never
1: love. Seven rules of being a double O.
0: So would you fit all those rules?
1: Who, me? Yeah. If I say yes, am I terrible? Because I do have Olympic sharps shooting skills, and I am. I do not fear death, and I wouldn't give in to torture. And I have double-crossed my own parents, and I'll double-cross you two motherfuckers, too. Um, What about the love? Hey, man. It is what it is. (laughs) I don't. I don't know if you that make, sounds horrible. I don't know if
0: you could make a bad girl grin, but sure do make me smile.
1: Ah, well, there you go. Right. Ooh, are you saying you're my bad girl, John? You cheeky poo! Stop! You're going to embarrass the professor. Professor, you and I are well versed in the Bond universe. Favorite theme? When you say theme, uh, theme song, uh, opening song, first one that pops into your head that you live and let die. Yeah, that's usually that's where most people's go for sure uh it's definitely up there for me but i would have to say nobody does it better and mm-hmm. then live and let die for sure yeah. For i don't even i'm not even gonna ask you because you don't fucking watch james bond
0: no I'm, I'm not gonna say which my favorite is but it's the funny that even though i haven't seen a lot of them you say those names of those songs and i can hear them in my head yeah so. okay
1: uh for your eyes only yeah. a view to a kill um i
0: could even probably name the artists of each one skyfall so, yeah
1: skyfall adele i mean okay mm-hmm. so let's talk about this for a second Not look adele. at all of these artists you can always count on one thing when a james bond movie is coming out is that the song is going to be awesome and it's going to be sung by someone of notoriety right yeah. um
0: paul mccartney i think is the one that really says james bond to me
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, that is ultimately the classic and probably the go-to out of 9 out of 10 people, probably. Uh, but there are so many. I was... Uh, Duran Duran, View to a Kill. That's like one of my favorite songs, and it's such a great James Bond song, right? I still remember the video. The problem with that one was Roger Moore was just a little bit too old to play James Bond at that point. Yes, he was.
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you both this. Uh, considering that you're talking about the music, how did Chris Cornell do for this song?
1: Oh, I thought it was great. I've liked uh, all of Daniel Craig's Bond's theme songs. In fact, the one from Quantum of Solace, uh, Alicia Keys and Jack White, Another Way to Die, that's probably in my top three oh, of yeah. James Bond songs of oh, all right time. On. Yeah. MI6 operative James Bond gains his license to kill in promotion to double O agent status by assassinating the traitorous Drayden and his contact at the British Embassy in Prague. In Uganda, Mr. White introduces Stephen Obano, a high ranking member of the Lord's Resistance Army, to Lashif, an Albanian private banker to terrorists. Obano entrusts Lashif with a large sum of money to invest. Lashif shorts the stock of aerospace manufacturer Skyfleet by using insider knowledge of a terrorist attack. In Madagascar, Bond blows up an embassy in the course of killing bomb maker Malika. MI6 Chief M. admonishes Bond for causing an international incident and ignoring her orders to capture Malacca alive. Using information captured from Malacca, Bond is led to the corrupt Greek official Alex Demetrios in the Bahamas, who had hired Malika at Le Chiffre's request. After winning his Aston Martin DB5 in a poker game and seducing Demetrios' wife, Solange, Bond pursues Demetrios to Miami and kills him. Then chases down the new attacker Demetrios is hired. Bond thwarts the destruction of Skyfleet's prototype airliner, costing the chief hundreds of millions of dollars investment. Surmising that someone talked, he tortures Solange to death. So,
0: compared to the other Bond movies, this opening, the, these animated openings that they kind of do for every Bond movie, how does this one compare to the other Bond movies?
1: Are you talking about just the animated opening?
0: Just the animated part, not the black or, and white. Well, we got we
1: got to go, back, to go back. back for a second because if we're talking about a James Bond opening, it always starts with the the double barrels or the, the gun barrels coming across the screen, James Bond walking, mm-hmm. turns, shooting the camera, and we're immediately thrown into the middle of a story. What I liked about this one is we got the MGM logo, we got all the studio logos, and then we cut right to black and white and we're in Prague. and if you're a james bond fan you know this is the opening right we're going to get a little bit of an opening sequence because that's what james bond movies give us right so i really dug that it was in black and white and i really love this exchange when he goes up there and he has to do m's bidding
0: now did you catch in the elevator why it only went to floor six no why because he had not received 007 status yet. <laughs> the director purposely put that in.
1: Oh, you cheeky fucker. He put uh, in
0: one other thing that we'll talk about in a sec uh, as well.
1: Okay. Uh, Martin Campbell, who directed it, also directed GoldenEye, which I have to say is my favorite Pierce Brosnan.
2: Yes, yes, he did direct GoldenEye. Yeah. He did direct one other movie. I think I feel like I should know it, but no, I don't. No, it's it's a notorious movie. What is it? Green Lantern.
1: Oh, did he really? I did <laughs> hear that. Yeah. But yeah, he
0: directed Goldeneye. Yeah. People have called this his redemption from, from Green Lantern.
1: Oh, for, well, yeah. And he did a really good job. Uh, Professor, what did you think about this opening when he goes in and uh, just the whole dialogue and uh, my favorite line is when he says, you know, the second kill and then James Bond shoots him and he goes, yes, considerably. What did you think of the opening? I totally dug the opening. It was stylish as fuck you have
2: this this harsh black and white happening. And to me, it tells me right off the bat that we are going back in the past a little bit. And if we're going back in the past a little bit, we're going to, yep, sure enough, we're going to see why James Bond is 007. And it was awesome the way that we got to get a quick smash cut of him getting his first kill. And yep. then right back into the office, and then, just like you said, you know, uh, you know, if it's any consolation, in the second,
1: yes, considerably. And then we cut back to the uh, bathroom, and he picks up the gun, turns around, and fires. And that's when we they tease us with that's where the the opening barrel shot would come from, because again, this is the first time we get to meet James Bond, and as a fan, you're like, fuck yeah! So this was a little moment that you're like. Okay, we're gonna get a James Bond movie, but I'm not getting the James Bond from Connery, Moore, Dalton, and Brosnan, right? We're getting the the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I was on board.
0: One thing I really appreciated about this black and white sequence is, did you notice that when he's talking to the trader guy, um, it's nice, clear, solid black and white. When they're flashing back to his fight in the bathroom, they do a grainy, gritty kind of film technique on it to show the two sides of Bond, that he can be the sophisticated character who can just talk it out as well as just beat the hell out of somebody.
1: Yeah, and we see him in a very raw and unpolished fighter, but still a badass, ass. Yeah, and right? the film technique
0: matches that and i thought that was a really cool idea by the director yeah
1: yeah good stuff and then uh he shoots the dude he gets his double o status and we cut to the credits and this you were talking about the chris cornell song i really like the chris cornell song uh i like Soundgarden, so i like chris cornell this opening sequence was almost like every other opening sequence professor did you happen to know what the difference was by chance
2: what was missing what was missing in the opening sequence yeah Uh, nothing comes to mind naked girls. Oh, you're talking about, oh, after that, I'm credits. St- I, I'm still in the bathroom.
1: Oh, well, what the fuck are you doing in the bathroom? Can well, you flush what,
2: already? Well, what's going on there is that you actually have a little bit of classic Bond in this fight in the bathroom, because when we have Bond in uh, Connery, Connery's Bond, when he does his fights, his fights are messy, and his uh, fights have these Fights where they just grab whatever is nearby. It might be a chair, it might be a lamp, and it just cracks me up. In the in the Connery fights, how you know you you rip a tapestry off the wall, and then sure. next thing you grab, you know, whatever you can get your hands on, that comes into the fight. And so that's what we have in this bathroom fight that uh, Craig is engaged with. That it is, as we already pointed out, it is messy. It is you're just going with whatever you get your hands on.
1: Which is awesome that you say that because. When I think of James Bond, my, my Bond is Roger Moore. And he was more of a classy fighter. And he was very much a one punch you're out kind of dude, right? And that's why when I saw this and uh, Craig's Bond being uh, uh, raw and brutal uh, uh, harkens back to Connery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on.
0: So you brought up the, the lack of the naked girls, the silhou- silhouettes in the opening. A professor, can you guess why they left that out? Uh, my guess would be because they wanted a newer image for Bond. Don, you got an idea?
1: Well, you told me, so I'm going to
0: spoil it. Uh, it's because he wasn't a double O yet. He hadn't earned the women yet. So if you notice when they go to quantum of solace, they're back in the opening, but because this was before he got his double O status, he hadn't earned them yet. And that's, I guess the director's reasoning. And
1: and until you told me that tonight, I never noticed and, and never paid a second thought to it. So... Yeah, interesting. Now we get to meet our bad guys, right? After the opening credits, we get to meet Lashif. He is in a jungle.
2: Yes, Mr. White is
1: introducing Lashif. Yes. And so as far as Bond villains, uh, just I mean, what did you think of Lashif as a as a villain?
2: Lashif is a different kind of villain. Yes. He is not the villain of Jane, James Bond movies because he is not trying to take over the world. He is money that he just wants his money, and because of this, he is going to be uh, motivated differently. Also, he is somebody that has flaws. He is in trouble, and he's trying to get himself out of trouble. And the villains of other James Bond movies are bent on you know world domination or perhaps you know some sort of a, a global empire of some sort. And so, LeShief, he is a simpler man just wants money. And he also has a rather modest, uh, you know, uh, sinisterism to him with his bleeding eye. And that's about it. And, and that's
1: what I thought too, because you're a hundred percent right. World dominating, maniacal overlord has his own private Island. That is a James Bond villain always, you know, they're parodied, mm-hmm. they're referenced. I mean, that's a James Bond villain. And we get this accountant. He felt like a banker. One? And he was right. He was the banker. And, uh, You know, we find we come to find out that he's really good at poker. And so, you know, that's kind of where the story takes us. Yeah, I thought that Lashief was a good introductory villain for who would ultimately become James Bond.
2: And in a way, it kind of sort of makes him more relatable to us, the viewing audience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I liked is they
0: didn't, you know, knowing the ahead of time or knowing now what we know that this is leading into a series of movies that the storyline kind of continues. You know, this. he was a good front door to that series. He was the guy that was getting them into Quantum that was going to lead to Spectre.
1: Listen to this guy. He's fucking Mr. Know-it-all now that he's seen one James Bond movie and half of another. I strongly recommend... How long of Quantum of Solace do you have left?
0: I am about three quarters of the way through Quantum Okay, of
1: finish Quantum of Solace, watch the other ones, and then we'll talk because it gets better. That's so what I'm saying. Good. So
0: yeah. I, I feel like, you know, in this movie, he was a good introduction into that and it makes you kind of want to know, okay, now that they've done him, where does point A lead to point B? Uh,
1: so now we are in Madagascar and we're at uh, a snake versus what was that a uh, um, mongoose? Yeah that's what it was it was a mongoose versus a king cobra fight and we get to meet our bomb maker and i like the bit where uh there's two mi6 agents james bond and some other dude and he's the other dude is constantly holding his ear like surveillance and james bond's like dude quit touching your fucking ear you idiot
0: (laughs) and put your arm down or Or something something
1: like that. that and so he gets discovered and then uh the bomb maker takes off and this leads to probably one of the most incredible scenes i've seen in a long time the whole parkour thing up the building on the on the big crane. I mean, that was fucking insane.
0: The guy that he's chasing, I read, I can't remember what his name is, but I read, he is one of the original inventors of parkour. Yeah. Of the he, whole thing. Yeah, so, he
1: did all of that. That was all him. Yeah, so that yeah. was a
0: great casting. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's one of the, I mean, even just compared to other action movies out there, one of the best chase scenes I've seen. Sure. I totally
2: dug the way that it opened with them in Madagascar and having that fight happen because, you know, as as Bond is is chastising him, stop touching your ear, and then he's made, and then they they run, and then he falls into the pit, and the gun is shot, and then right after the gun is shot, you get that flood of people just, ah, and they instantly empty. That was like 500, maybe maybe 1,000 people. It looked really, really hot, nice to have that in there, just the flooding of people, just everybody, ah, away and then that urgency kicks in immediately with the chase and you're right gotta be one of the best chases and as a matter of fact i'd be willing to bet it's probably one of the only foot chases that happens in a james bond movie they don't happen very often
1: no they don't and again this was something that we as a james bond fans and audience hadn't seen before and so ultimately he's chasing him and chasing him and the bomb maker makes it to the u.s embassy and then bond follows him in there and, you know, he's in the embassy and you think that, you know, James Bond can't really do anything about it, but Bond doesn't give a fuck. And he, uh, he captures him. He tries to walk him out. And then as he's walking him out, he gets surrounded by the army and the embassy and he, uh, shoots a couple of things and make, him to create a, a diversion and explosion. And then he just shoots the bomb maker, uh, so cold heartedly.
0: Well, let me ask you this again, kind of going back to the chase. Uh, do you feel, since I believe what Born Identity came out in 2002, uh, do you think that because that fighting style, they introduced that more fast-paced, you know, parkour kind of style of fighting style, do you think that it was what changed the fighting style in this Bond movie? No. No. You don't think it had an impact on it? No.
2: no the, the, the fighting style that happens in Born is of a different style, and we can get into that at another time. i was just
0: wondering because in previous bond movies you never saw a fighting this kind of fast pace this rapid this you know going up in the cranes and things like that
1: oh you're talking about the you're talking about the action and you're right no it it it, it's an action movie you know and you're right the the previous james bond weren't as actiony as this one um but I don't think Bourne had anything to do with it. The the, the fighting style of Bourne, what, what made it popular was the quick cutting and the close-up and how close you were in the fight. This, we were far out. We were in mm-hmm. wide shots. We were watching these guys mm-hmm. do it back and forth. Yep. But, you know, I, I, I can see why people would think that
0: all i know is when i was watching that scene and he started chasing him i'm thinking okay yeah i could do this i could be a 007 agent As soon as they started going up high i'm like i'm out he got away sorry i'm <laughs> sorry
1: I'm, I, I gotta you know move on i
2: was so impressed with the chasing in the way that we have our bad guy doing all of his parkour but james does his own style of of moving through things when he when he approaches with the bulldozer right and he crashes that bulldozer into the side of the building and then when we when we watch him jack rabbit through the building james just keeps up barely but on his own in a sloppier way and then eventually they end up on top of those two uh uh, crane rigs up above daniel craig said that he had a fear of heights before he shot after this was done shooting it helped him get over his fear of heights. Oh, I
1: bet. He was fucking high up there. He was he was 60
2: feet up. They did have cables on, but he was 60 feet up from uh, whatever the padding was that they had down below. And I got to say that I appreciate so much what they did. That stuff wasn't CGI. It was real. Yeah. And having that look, you're like, no fucking way would I ever be up there. I don't think my job told me to get up on top of a crane and run across the top of a crane and the jump that they do from one crane to the next that was a real jump Mm -hmm. the jump that they did from the second crane down to the building
1: that
0: was a real jump
1: yeah holy shit i read they, they were on wires but yeah it was a real fucking jump
0: i read the only cgi they had in this movie was to remove those wires yeah that's the only thing they did yeah fucking crazy and
2: impressive and and, and and one of the best moments of that chase is is when the the guy shoots through the window and daniel craig goes runs through, through the, the wall the drywall it's
1: like fuck yeah <laughs> yeah
2: that totally was, that was so bond it's yeah. like yeah he does it his way and yeah you might be better and faster but you know what i'm gonna get you and i am dogged and you are not getting away yeah.
1: and yep. he did and he got him so the bondmaker's dead, and now we meet M. And they brought back Dame Judi Dench from the other Bonds, uh, which I thought was a real classy touch. Because when she showed up in GoldenEye, I really fucking liked her as M. You know, I like I like Dame Judi Dench as an actress, and um, so I thought it was a nice classy touch that they brought her over to the Daniel Craig series.
0: Now, since I haven't seen the other ones. Her relationship with Bond in this movie is she doesn't know if she can trust him. She doesn't seem like she's a huge fan of him. She seems to start to care about him. Did she have the same relationship with the previous Bond? You
1: are just going to have to go watch him. There you go. That's what I'm going to say. That's fair. Okay.
0: I accept that.
2: Okay, good. It's very important that we have judy dench's m in this movie she is necessary for the 21st century bond because what we have in her and in vesper is we have two very strong women that are every bit as willing to stand toe to toe to bond and be his equal in any way that he chooses to confront
1: them and actually not even just vespa and uh, vesper and m throughout the daniel craig series there's others so yeah you're absolutely right 100 yeah uh so m is wondering where the fuck james bond is and it turns out that he's actually at her apartment (laughs) which establishes their relationship really quick and i think it's very important especially for this series and and i really hope you do watch the rest of them because the the relationship does pan out but uh yeah, he breaks into her apartment and she's all pissed off at him. And but he's not—he's unapologetic, you know. He—he he thought he was doing good.
0: <laughs> and they kind of played a joke on the fans who thought they were going to get to learn what her real name was.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Uh, he says, "I always thought that M was a random initial. I didn't realize it stood for." And then she says, "Yeah, uh, utter another syllable, and I will have you killed." It was very cute but uh this is where we get our plot of the movie and she tells james that she has entered him into a poker game uh texas hold'em have you guys ever played texas Mm hold'em yeah Uh, at the casino royale in montenegro so classic james bond transition we get the sweeping theme of the music if you watch any james bond movie when he has to go to the new location always it'll be a sweeping theme of the actual theme song just a little tidbit there
2: and what flashy car did they show him driving in a
1: ford fucking focus it was perfect and the way they cut it was he you he might be in the aston martin but you can't really tell but as the camera slowly pulls back ford yeah it's fucking great why because he's not the james bond we know yet he's just making his way he's a rookie Now, why is he in the Bahamas? He is in the Bahamas because of the ellipsis message he got or he found on the phone from the bomb maker. So uh, it led him uh, to the Bahamas because he used M's computer to track the phone to get to the Bahamas, which was
0: I love M's reaction of, how did he get
1: my password? Yeah. (laughs) It just shows you that he's that good. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, what do you guys think of, uh, he bends down to tie his shoe and then that Range Rover pulls up and the guy tells him to park it. And James Bond's so cool. He just says right away, sir he takes I, it and I just fucks it he up to
0: do i knew he was gonna trash it but it made sense that he you know he set off all those car alarms as the distraction
1: absolutely it's exactly what he did and then he made his way into the security room to watch some security footage it so happened to be conveniently on it was very desk. convenient yeah. Yeah. and the fact that he matched the time codes from the phone to the video yeah smart but but convenient then, yeah because <laughs> couldn't the guy have been
0: anywhere in the hotel
1: Possibly, yeah, absolutely. Just happens to be walking in the front door. Hence convenient. We find out that this guy plays poker there and Bond wants to get on the game. And since this movie is called Casino Royale, this is going to be the first of many poker scenes that we're going to get. And I mean, it really does take up a bulk of this movie, is the poker scenes. Um, but we'll get there.
0: But this was a good lead in to show he's a good poker player. You know what
1: this scene reminded me of? It reminded me of Han. Winning the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian in a card game. Because James Bond wins an Aston Martin, which he is known for driving, and he has the Aston Martin. It shows up again in future uh, movies. And I think it's the same one, which is a nice callback. Probably,
0: I love what he said next after the guy threw the keys on the table. What's that? Oh, yeah. Can,
1: can I have the valet the ticket? valet <laughs> ticket. It just shows he's thinking. Yeah.
2: You get another moment where just right before this, when uh, the, the dealer says, no, th- we can't do that. And then what does Bond say? Please, no. Give him a chance to win his money back. Knowing full well that he has
1: a better hand than him. Yeah. So the guy leaves. He's all pissed off and Bond needs information on him. So what does he do? He turns to his wife. And this is where we get kind of the James Bond that we all know and what we all kind of expect. He does whatever he needs to do to get the job done, right? Uh, regardless of the collateral damage. But however, the wife isn't too shy. She doesn't care and she's willing to go around on her husband and so Bond gets the upper hand and he finds out that the husband is going to go to Miami. I liked in the when she says, uh, okay, let's just have one drink. And he go, she goes, how close is your place? And he goes, pretty close. Very close. And he does the loop around the thing.
2: This is one of those charming moments that makes us see how disarming he can be towards women. Yes. And what we get right after this, when the two of them are rolling around together and he finds out about Miami, he does uh, what I did not expect Bond to do the first time I saw it. He's totally going to sleep with her. Uh, yeah, let's get let's get some. Uh, what do you say, caviar or champagne? Champagne and caviar is that for two? No, for one. And he leaves. And he
1: leaves. The old Bond would not have done that. No, he would have. He would have got with the wife first and then left. Yes, but and that and that's what it was. A nice change. Yes, you didn't see it coming when you first saw it, and now that it happens, you're like, okay, cool. He's going to go get his guy. So they get to Miami and. Uh, he follows the guy into an uh, art exhibit. An art exhibit. And uh, he's dropping off a package. He follows the husband in there and he confronts him, or the husband sees that he's watching him. James Bond thinks he's being so cool and trying to keep him out of eyesight or whatever. And uh, the husband confronts him, and James Bond lands up killing him. And while he's doing that, he looks over and he sees that the duffel bag is gone. And he finds the guy who has the duffel bag and he follows him over to the airport. And the, um, in the duffel bag was a security uniform because uh, little did we know as the audience, uh, there was a bomb. What would you guys think of the airport chase and the whole bomb sequence?
0: I like that we find out, you know, I like when he got stuck at the door, couldn't get through the door. And he calls up M to try to figure out how to get through that door. And then it dawns on him, that's what ellipse is. Ellipse is the password for the door. Yeah. And so but I thought he, that was kind of a, I love the flow of kind of how he's working it all out. I really enjoyed the chase.
2: Uh, there's some really nice camera shots that happen in there. I think one of my favorite is the uh, overhead shot that we get of Bond hot in pursuit of the bomber and this overhead shot of him running up the stairs of uh, one of those trucks and he's able to jump from the top of the truck yes. onto the bomber's truck. And then they have their little fight and their tussle. And it that was a great little twist that ends up happening there at the end. And he kicks him out of the truck and the truck screeches to a halt right in front of the plane. I love Bond's look on his face. Like, am I am I still alive?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets taken into custody and the bomb guy thinks he's fucking gonna blow up the the plane. And Bond the Bond's look when the smirk he presses the button and he blows up. He gives that it's classic. It was really good. Bond thwarts the plan and the bomb doesn't go off. Well, the bomb blows up the dude and not the plane. And then we're back in the Bahamas and uh, M says they found that dude's wife because apparently a lot of money was lost and someone talked. Someone someone talked.
0: This seems to be an ongoing thing in, from what I know of Bond movies that he always seems to get somebody killed. Does that ever play into how you like these movies dislike is that something that just seems like a bond thing
1: no because in a bond movie everyone is expendable no. except for james bond how much money did lachif lose 150 million
2: 101 million 101 million 101 206000
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's the professor
2: we uh, we get to see bond chipped and then after we get bond chipped uh, he has a really uh, important moment for me. Um, Bond says to M, you can stop pretending. You know I wouldn't let this drop, didn't you? And then she says, when I knew you were you. And then right after that, Bond gives the best look. He's got his face all scuffed up. And the and the smile that he gives back to M after that exchange that they have. Yeah, It's my favorite Bond look in the movie.
1: Yeah, there is a bit in Quantum of Solace between M and uh, Bond that I think is my favorite moment uh, is when she says, uh, I'm glad you're back, 007, and he looks at her just straight-faced, and he's like, I never left. Oh, I remember that. It's a a good moment, right? So, again, I really enjoy the relationship between uh, Craig and Dench.
0: When you talk about favorite Bond look, uh, for me, of this movie – was the one that you talked about earlier when the bomb maker guy or the guy who's going to blow up the plane pushes that button and Bond gives that subtle little smirk. That, I think, was my favorite Bond expression of this movie.
1: To recoup his clients' money, Lashief organizes a Texas Hold'em tournament at the Casino Royale in Montenegro. MI6 enters Bond in the tournament, believing a defeat will force Lashief to seek asylum with the British government in exchange for information on his clients. Bond is paired with Vesper Lynn a British treasury agent protecting the $10 million buy-in. They meet their contact, Rene Mathis, in Montenegro. Obano, furious that his money is missing, ambushes Le Chiffre but allows him to continue playing to win back the money. Bond kills both Obano and his bodyguard. Bond loses his stake as Le Chiffre has been tipped off about his own tell. Vespa refuses to cover the $5 million rebuy. But fellow player Felix Leiter, a CIA agent, stakes Bond the money to continue in exchange for taking LeChief into American custody. LeChief's lover poisons Bond's martini, but Vespa rescues him. He returns to the game and wins. LeChief kidnaps Vespa to trap Bond and brings them to an abandoned ship where he tortures Bond to reveal the passwords of the winnings. But Bond resists. Mr. White bursts in and kills LeChief, sparing Bond and Vespa.
2: So here we are, an hour into the movie, and we finally meet Vesper. What'd you guys think of Vesper and her introduction?
1: I thought she was good. Uh, I liked the little nod to us fans where she says, "I'm the money," and he says, "Every penny's worth," because uh-huh. we we don't have money penny yet, but yeah. we know that money penny is a huge staple in the James Bond universe. Uh, I thought their chemistry was good uh, when they start falling in love, which happens it reminded me of her majesty's secret service oh um mm-hmm. which is the only time in james bond history he had gotten married mm-hmm. but conveniently also the wife got killed at the end of that movie but uh way no, to spoil I, it for me well he said spoilers at the beginning oh, that's thank true thank you Nathan, but you didn't
0: Nathan. say every bond movie
1: well it's kind of implied okay kind of implied uh but no i i dug the chemistry between them both and the banter back and forth and i liked that she didn't take his shit I like that she didn't give a fuck who he was. She doesn't care that he's this some hot ass, Bridges secret service agent. She was she was a strong, independent woman, and That's I, ex- I like that.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. Is I appreciated her sparring with him, that he could say his witty one line, you know, one liners. She had it right back to him. Yeah, yeah. I also enjoyed how we get a quick summation from both of them about
2: who each of these characters are. Yeah, that was that was really nice yeah, to have. They
1: do that whole, and you were. Uh, and they were both ended up as orphans. They arrive in Montenegro and they check in, and this is the first time we get to see James Bond in a tux. And if you know anything about James Bond, is we always see him in a tux. So,
0: and
2: yeah, that, that's that's one of the staples of a Bond
0: movie. He's yeah. got to be in a tux. Yeah. Well, one of the other things we get to, and, and we'd seen this earlier in the movie when they're driving to the hotel, uh, to the resort. He's going over, you know, M's instructions of here's your identity, here's her identity. The minute he checks in, throws that all out the window just again to reinforce bond doesn't follow orders he just does what he thinks is best
1: yeah and he and he had already assumed that if the chief is this big powerful of a guy he already knows who he is mm-hmm. you know and that's one thing that went on in all of the bonds is he never really tried to hide his identity Mm-mm. i mean in the very beginning he might give a false name but they always found out he was james bond and he would always introduce himself as bond Mm -hmm. james bond so i it felt very much in character with with this one
0: and i also liked how they're kind of again reinforcing that vesper is almost feeling like she's on the same level as him in that he ordered her a dress, well she ordered him a
1: tux yeah that was that was a cute exchange right before this this is where we meet mathis yes their contact in montenegro Mm -hmm. and i like this actor he's been in a bunch of stuff before i liked him in hannibal um Yeah, I I thought this was a good character. And he's actually a reoccurring character because he's also in Quantum of Solace. Mm -hmm. The initial game
0: that he plays, uh, did you expect him to lose that game? I guess
1: if I had one qualm about this movie was I thought that these poker scenes went on a little bit too long. So did it surprise me that he lost? No... Was I kind of irritated when he did lose because we had to keep going? Kind of. But it showed us something. It showed us, you know, he doesn't always get what he wants and he's not always going to win. And I thought it was important, I guess, in the story for him to lose this game and have to find a way back into the game. Mm-hmm.
2: Which uh, is also, I think, kind of contradictory to what we're given right before because when he walks into the hotel, when he comes, when he's going into the game, you know, he has this real sense of style, this swagger that he walks with. I mean, we we believe in him, the way, the confidence that he is walking in with. He is so James Bond in this moment, captured so well.
1: And even the players know it, too, because when he orders his drink, they all turn to the bartender or to the waiter and go, I'll have that, too. And you see, I like how annoyed LeChief was. Right, because he's like, who the fuck is this guy? Can we play cards? Yeah, totally.
2: (laughs) Yeah, And, and and then the 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 music is also done very well here. The music blends oh so nicely to this to this confidence of James Bond, and so to have the card game not necessarily go well for him, and he gets played, you know that that is a nice little twist in the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did
2: did you suspect that someone had betrayed
1: him? No, I didn't. I didn't think about that until later on. Um, Same. I thought that the chief was playing him from the very beginning. That's what I. That thought. was
0: my thought is that he's smart enough to do a fake tell. Yeah.
1: Well, we don't know if anyone really tipped him off or not.
0: Well, he said later that's how he suspected Mathis because someone must have tipped
1: right, but, him off. But Mathis didn't do it. Yeah, but that's what he. That's why he went after Mathis in the first place. Right. But Mathis didn't do mm-hmm. it. So. Maybe Lashif was that smart and nobody did tip off Lashif.
2: Can we please jump into the break that they get in the poker game before James has lost? They get a break and they head upstairs and Lashif goes into his hotel room.
1: Is that where he gets ambushed? Yeah.
0: This is where he gets ambushed and this scene bothered me a little bit, but what did you want to say about it, Professor?
2: I just dug how cold-hearted Lashifa is towards his girlfriend that she's going to lose her arm right here and he says nothing.
1: And in the, the uh the guy even points it out. He goes and he doesn't have anything to say. So sure. it's time to
0: get a new boyfriend. Yeah, it's yeah. And so uh and you could catch from a subtle tip that they put in this movie how much she was into she I don't know if you noticed, but her hair was combed in a way to cover the same eye that, of his eye that bleeds.
1: Yeah. So they don't cut off the arm. They go out into the hallway and they spot Bond, and they get into this hallway fight. The earpiece gives him away. Yeah, the earpiece gives him away because uh, he was trying to blend in. And what do you think of this fight in the hallway? Again, it was just James Ma raw being a blunt instrument, getting the job done.
0: And you feel for Vesper a little bit because you can tell early on this is her first situation that she's been put in like this that she's basically
1: watching people kill or be killed. Right, right. And and this leads us to you know after after James Bond dispatches these two bad guys, he he tells Vespa or Vesper go to the room, call Mathis, tell him the bodies are down here. I'll be up there in a second. And then when he goes up there, uh, she's in the shower, sitting there. Not yet. Okay, what happens at first
2: he goes up to his room to get himself cleaned up, and we get to see Bond. he is rattled and he's trying to clean the blood off of him. Oh, he pours right. a healthy shot of whiskey. it's like a half a glass, and he and he tanks the whole thing instantly, yeah, and he gets himself cleaned up oh so quickly to get himself back down to the game. yeah, you change your shirt, Mr.
0: Bond,
1: yeah. Yep,
0: yep, um that's right and he doesn't come back up until that set of playing is done right but my thought was with the fight scene and everything else and the cleaning up that was the longest hour break you know he did
1: all of that in one hour yeah yeah he did it reminded me of the break in maverick
2: i was so <laughs> right there absolutely exactly
1: um so you're right uh he doesn't go up to the shower yet so he goes up changes his shirt come down and then they play again but nothing comes of that exchange we just assume that everybody i am sure a couple of people got eliminated from the game but Mm -hmm. we don't fucking care so at the end of the round
0: one of the things that i thought about this scene was uh i thought with these two guys being dead now you know in the stairwell is le off the hook is you know the fact that he was playing to win back this guy's specific money i thought well shouldn't he be happy that bond did this it wasn't until later that they reveal why he's
1: not off the hook yet all oh, right because he's involved with a bunch of other people
0: well it's because it didn't matter that he lost this guy's money and this guy ended up dead so they didn't know the money it was the trust and the fact that he played with the money in the first place and that he failed quantum which failed you know specter uh he mr white even says it later that he killed him because they had lost trust in him
1: right they lost trust but we don't know that it's quantum or specter at this point Mm -hmm. we don't find that out until the next movie so quit jump into the next fucking movie i want to talk about bond
2: going back up to the hotel room uh apparently they get a break for the night type of thing to find vesper in the shower this scene is so tender and so un james bond Instead of, you know, trying to whisk her away, he sits down with her. He doesn't turn the water off. He, he says something like, uh, you're cold. And so what does he do? He turns, turns it the, up, turns the water temperature up. He yeah. doesn't want to stop the water and he puts his arm around her. He's not trying to kiss her. It's just such a different James Bond. And, yeah. and I think that this is the James Bond for the 21st century that more people can get behind.
1: Oh, sure. He doesn't try to kiss her or come on to her. He just sucks the blood off of her fingers. One of the things I
0: guess they wanted to do was they wanted her in the shower in her underwear. Yeah, and know
1: th- Craig said no because why would she do that?
0: And I think it actually made for a more tender scene by having her just in her dress. You felt more of the emotion that was coming from her and the more caring when he sat down in his full
1: clothes. Yeah, I mean, it is tender, but it's more than anything, it's more realistic. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I bought that more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the second day comes, and it's time for more poker, and this is where Bond loses. Look, it's the tell. Yeah, and uh, Matthew says, James was right. I think in every James Bond movie, <laughs> a secondary James Bond character says, James was right. So he does the tell, and James Bond goes all in, chief goes all in, and you fucking get screwed and james bond is out you must have thought i was bluffing mr bond <laughs> <laughs> so james loses goes out to the balconies all kinds of pissed off tells vespa he needs the fucking money and she's like no dude you are reckless and i gotta look out for the money so no
0: the thing that i really appreciate about this scene and i don't know if it happened in previous bond movies but here he actually admits he's not perfect he yeah. basically says i got cocky i got you know overexcited and pushed it too far yeah i made a mistake and you don't see that often from him
1: so he gets all fired up goes to get a drink he says a vodka martini uh the guy says shaken not stirred and or he doesn't say shaken not stirred yeah the, uh, the guy says how would you like that and bond at this point we would assume he would say shaken not stirred Mm -hmm. but he says does i does it look like i give a damn yeah which i thought was a great line and so he drinks his drink he notices a steak knife on the table he goes after Lashiv. he's gonna he's, he's gonna do what he did in the embassy right fuck this i'm done with it i'm over i'm just gonna kill this fucker i have a license to kill but then we meet Felix Leiter, who is a reoccurring character throughout the James Bond series. And again, this was just a nice little nod to the audience and by bringing him in. And he's done. Uh, he's played by Jeffrey Wright, who I think is a great actor, and I'm glad that they brought him in.
0: I love him in Westworld.
1: Yeah. Well, I haven't watched that yet, but I hear it's really good. He's, I, he's
0: great in that series. I
1: liked him in The Batman. So there you go. Um, and he says, you know what? I'm bleeding chips. We're, we're cousins i mean i'm the cia you're mi6 we should be on the same team we want this guy he goes i'll stake you but if you win we get to bring le Chief in and bond's like all right cool
0: well i like the part where he says well i could lose your money he goes ah we don't care about the money yeah
1: do we look
2: like lo- we're the united states do we look like we care
1: yeah or does it look like we're hurting yeah something like Some, that yeah. Yeah, yeah great line great line so bond comes back and he starts to do very well and starts to win a little bit and the Le lechiffre is very threatened so he has his drink poisoned i love the look on bond's face when he realizes that he's been poisoned because the, the camera the look that he gives yes, yeah yeah because yes. the camera is at a, at a low angle uh-huh. the drink is in uh out of focus but he uh bonds in focus and he's and looking in the at it. right it's in the foreground and then we rack focus to the uh drink and then it's that at that moment he's like oh fuck i gotta get out of here so he gets up and this was probably one of the most intense scenes uh, in this film. and i really I really dug this scene when I first saw it because I remember thinking, fuck what's and he, he just, doing what's he gonna do right uh he stumbles his way out to the fucking car and he just so happens to have a uh booster kit or whatever
0: uh well we see it the first time when the car is delivered and he's looking through the car to find the gun comes out and you see these two injection shots right. on the top shelf
1: right so he goes out there and he calls into headquarters and they're trying to talk him through it and he puts the leads on his chest and he's trying to hit the defibrillator and it's not working. And we come, I love the, the scene or I love the shot where he picks up the end of the lead and it's not connected. He smiles. Yeah. yeah, He's like, Oh fuck. And then he passes out.
0: Well, he basically dies. So my question is, has Bond died in any other movies before this? Well, falsely, he, he faked his death and only you only live twice Mm. because from what I read was, his heart stopped in this scene he was clinically dead until the next thing happens the defibrillator yeah
1: so Vespa comes up and well to answer your question I think so I think this is the only time he's died looking at this list mm-hmm. but I'd have to think about it more um but if the internet said it then it's probably true uh so he gets the uh, Vespa comes in and connects the defibrillator and it saves him and he walks in and he sits down and Le- I like the chief's reaction right he's like oh what the fuck
0: well what i loved is right before that when you know they start his heart again he's immediately like okay let's go back to the game well that's james bond he's just like you know doesn't miss a beat he's just all of a sudden he's fine again yeah that's james bond that last hand nearly killed me
1: yeah that line was great and so we get a little bit more poker and it comes one final hand there's one final hand and all in and james bond wins he does what he said he does. And I, likes what, I like what he says to Felix afterwards. He, he turns to him and he says, he's all yours. And then he tells Vespa that he's famished and they go eat. And we get a little bit of a, a... Nice, quiet dinner. Yeah, yeah. And he just won $150 million. One thing that bothers
0: me, I guess, about movies about card games is when it comes down to it in the end, it's really all about luck. And the way that these movies are always written is, of course you know the good guy's going to get the best hand. And I feel like that's almost a little bit of a letdown. So I'm glad that this movie didn't end with that card hand, that there was more to the movie after that. I would have been a little bit disappointed if, oh, great, he got the winning hand, he won, mission solved.
1: Well, if you knew anything about James Bond, or if you had watched a lot of James Bond, one thing you would have known is, there is no such thing as a short James Bond movie. And at this point, we're kind of only in like an hour and a half. So we still have another fucking hour of the James Bond movie. But yeah, no, I agree. If it would have ended here, I would have been pissed.
2: So here's an interesting thought. So Bond wins the card game, right? And he has he has all this money. 120 million, 150 million, something like that. So he needs to uh, give the uh, the government their 10 million dollars back, and he could give the five million back to the United States. Bond is pocketing for himself
1: a hundred million dollars. Does it look like we're hurting? So uh, at dinner, uh, she gets a call from Mathis, and she goes to meet him, and then that's where he realized it was Mathis who did the tell, and so he runs after her, and he sees her getting abducted, abducted, and he jumps in the new Aston Martin, which is such a nice car, right? Um, and then this fucking car crash, fucking insane. Well, let me ask you fucking this question: insane.
0: which was you know harder on the heart—the fact that he almost hit her. Or that he destroyed that car.
1: Well, because he destroyed the car. Exactly. He doesn't hit her, so no harm, no foul. He destroys the fucking car.
0: Would it have right? been better just to hit her?
1: No, if he had hit her, then I would have felt more bad for her. Okay. Not the car. That's where I was going with that. Do you think that they had
2: a person actually on the road, or do you think they CGI'd that together?
1: Um, uh, I, I would think that for safety reasons that they, they would CGI'd it. Or not know. even not even CGI. it just shot it differently, yeah, right? Two, two, two frames, right? Right. Yeah. And I guess, like you were saying, there was three cars, uh, three Aston Martins, three hundred thousand dollar cars that they totaled, making this scene. And this sequence was fucking incredible, insane, right? So Bond crashes. How he lives? Well, we'll just say he's James Bond, and uh, and that's what you get out of James Bond. hundred percent. So yeah, you gotta he, you gotta expect to He's like fifty
0: percent skill. What fifty percent luck?
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I would say maybe he's more seventy percent skill, thirty percent luck. But that's just my own.
2: In James Bond, you get this you get this this aura that goes around him. Don, I've talked to you about this before. James Bond is this type of character that if if you're flying in a plane and he is coming at you the other direction and he shoots his gun at the other plane and it hits the canopy, you're Anybody else would be going, no fucking way. But with James Bond, you're like,
1: "Eh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think the the only other person I'd go, "Eh, maybe would be Indiana Jones.
0: I'll say, I first kind of thought about this whole luck thing that he seems to get away with a lot of lucky breaks in this movie was when he was chasing the guy early on with the parkour and he was going through the holes in the floor to the next floor down. What if there was nothing below that? He wasn't looking in the holes as he was jumping in them. He was just assuming that that would get him to the next floor. And he's so I, guess kept those, I kept thinking he just gets really lucky with the, the routes that he takes.
1: But that's, yeah. that's kind of James Bond. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. And 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 coming up to this next part, he's not that lucky. No. So he gets captured, and I thought they did the smart thing here. Uh, they took out the chip in his arm. So now James Bond. Why did Bond, they know the chip was there? I know. Because he's MI6. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I guess. I guess they have to have. One of them were familiar with MI6. Something, yeah, yeah, something like that. Whatever. Um, well, <laughs> Uh, yell at you for keep jumping into quantum but in quantum they say we're everywhere and this scene really threw me for a loop i've seen james bond i I guess quasi tortured before i mean the closest thing ever is uh pierce brosnan when he's a prisoner of war i guess before that would be goldfinger when he's about to get his junk sawed off i'll say doesn't they always
0: put him in death situations uh, where he just gets out in the nick of time
1: yeah but uh, but this seemed a little bit different and a little bit more extreme so they take this chair, they cut out the bottom, they strip him down, they sit him down, and then they give LeChief this rope with a, a ball. Knotted, yeah. A knotted ball at the end of it. And he's just whacking him in the balls. He is really good
2: with that with that swing.
1: He was. and Just right. And what really plays well with this scene is Daniel Craig's... Um, ability to make us believe that james bond knows this is coming and you can kind of see it that he's kind of preparing for it preparing for it and i gotta tell you fucking uh split me in half like fucking bone tomahawk but don't whack me in the fucking balls with a knotted rope
0: how many of those shots could you have taken
1: none how about that none
0: (laughs) he would have started like twirling it around and be like okay here's the password yeah probably probably um there is no just walking away from that.
1: No, well, he doesn't clearly because the next time we see him, he's in a wheelchair. Um, but yeah, we get to see, you know, and this is a great bit. You and I were kind of spoofing on it earlier. You know, I got an itch. Can you scratch it? No, to no, the no, right. No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now the whole world knows you scratched my balls.
1: You're you dying, scratching my balls. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good, and this. This bit kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, Mr. White bursts in and shoots Lashief in the head. And I was thinking, well, that was kind of a really anticlimactic way for a Bond villain to go out. But as we're told later, he was just kind of a player, not really the Bond
2: villain. Man, I, I dug that camera shot, too, because you get White on the right, low angle. He shoots, and then we hear, we hear the shot get hit, and then... Let she falls right in forefront, you know, right in the front of us, and we see that big old hole in his head. Yeah, nice
0: yeah. looking shot. Yeah, what I sure. appreciated about this scene is, like you were talking about, we kind of feel like he's the boss guy, he's the big bad in this movie, and right when, uh, you know, White, who was introduced in the beginning of the movie briefly, comes back at this end scene. I almost felt like it was a transfer of power that oh. We now know that White is way over him. Now White is the new guy that Bond has to go over, and I loved how that
1: set up the next movie. Bond awakens in an MI6 hospital and recovers with Vesper at his side. He resigns from MI6, and they run away to Venice. When M reveals the money was never deposited, Bond realizes Vesper has betrayed him. He follows her to a handoff of the money, where a gunman takes her captive upon spotting him. Bond shoots the building's flotation devices, causing it to sink into the Grand Canal. He kills the gunman, but Vesper is imprisoned in an elevator. She drowns after locking herself inside to prevent Bond from rescuing her. Mr. White escapes with the money. M informs Bond the organization behind Le Chief threatened to kill Vesper's lover unless she became a double agent. When Bond announces Vesper as a traitor, M deduces that she likely made a deal with White, trading the money for Bond's life. Bond returns to service. Realizing Vesper left her phone to help him, he checks the contacts and locates Mr. White at an estate in Lake Como, shooting him in the leg. 007 introduces himself. The name's Bond. James Bond. Roll credits. So... After this horrendous torture scene, Bond wakes up in the recovering garden. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it looked pretty.
2: Well, we also oh briefly see the uh, fuzzy outline of Vesper and Mathis. Oh yeah. So well, briefly. he's
1: right because then he says Mathis, no, no, yeah. no, yeah. And then so Mathis comes to visit him, and he gets tasered and taken away. And then uh, the money guy comes to give Bond his money. Really and he has to put in the password which is vespa vesper and now bond has 150 million dollars and he decides i'm going to quit mi6 and we're going to run off and i love you and this that and the other when i first saw this film i didn't like that it was way too fast it was way too fast right it reminded me a lot of attack of the clones (laughs)
2: attack of the clones how quickly how quickly padme falls for anakin yeah no
1: i i get that but that's not what it reminded me of it reminded me of her majesty's secret service because he falls in love and gets married and runs off so i'm thinking if he's going to fall in love and run off she's going to die
0: the two things i thought about because at first i agree with you i kept thinking he hasn't even known her that long and he's ready to quit everything that he's worked for to join mi6 to become a 007 agent But then again, there was a line earlier on about how 007 agents are short-lived, so they have to do everything quick. So my guess, you know, you always say, I don't believe in love, but if he's going to fall in love, he's going to do it quick, and he's going to get out as quick as he can.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's that kind of guy, right? An all-in kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So he resigns, and they go to Venice, and blah 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 blah. they james bond it and then uh vespa goes to the bank or she gets a message on her phone and then she goes to the bank and then m calls uh bond which i guess he was kind of expecting the phone call because he goes is this about my resignation i love her lying to him we'll talk about that later where's the money (laughs) like she didn't accept the resignation we'll have a chat about it type of a deal and so bond realizes that the uh, the money was never deposited that Vespa betrayed him or something was going on. And then, uh, he looks at the phone and he finds, uh, the message and he goes after her again in traditional James Bond fashion. This third act for me felt a little bit long and I think I was kind of gaining a little bit of fatigue at this moment. Um, but I guess it had to happen because, you know, we had to end the story somehow, so he runs around and he finds uh, Vesper with some people and did you notice
0: that she was in a red dress which kind of made it obvious to follow her she really stood out
1: well I well I think she might have done that on purpose because she left the phone for him to find mm-hmm. and so she if if anyone could help her she knew it was bond mm-hmm. right and at this point did she love him we don't know because she was doing this because her boyfriend lover was well the big question
0: threatened. was is when was she turned? When did she become the double agent? Do you think it happened early on that she had been working for them all? Along? Uh, I think it was from the very beginning. I personally think it was when she, basically, when he was being tortured, she was in the other room. She made an agreement then and there to save Bond by giving the money. So I think that's when she turned. Not only the boyfriend issue, but she officially became the double agent and officially agreed to give him the money to buy his life, kind of like what M said later.
2: I I feel similarly because to have Mister White come in, you know, Mister White is, you know, clearly with these people, and to have him come in, that's it, done.
0: Yeah, why wasn't Bond killed? Because then we wouldn't have the other movies. Yeah. But uh-huh. I, think, I figure one hundred and fifty million bought his
1: life. Yeah. Well, it did. Obviously. Well, one hundred and ten million. I think ten million is, I think, what it was. Well, whatever it was. Um. So so he leads Chase, and she locks herself in this uh elevator, which. I don't know why. I
2: think that she has guilt about what she has done and she
0: is not wanting to face what she has done.
1: What has she really done?
0: She betrayed him. But I kind of had a differing opinion. I think she knew that if he was so focused on her and you know the fact that he was willing to resign... He wasn't going to take down Quantum, wasn't going to take down Spectre. And he needed to do what you know he needed to do. So she needed to be out of the picture. So I felt like she killed herself so that he could become Jane, you know, Bond James Bond.
1: I think she killed herself because she was in on it the whole time. That's where I think. The guilt? Yeah. Because I think that guilt would outweigh it as opposed to her being threatened into it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um so that's why when she take because she has the key. So she's in on it this whole time when they're pulling i think when they're pulling her away and they're dragging her away and putting her into the fucking elevator she has the fucking key so she chose to go in there or that was part of the plan or whatever so by her killing herself i think that it was guilt but because she was in on it the whole time mm-hmm. that's just what i got and then so she dies and uh we find out later that uh threatened to kill vesper's lover Uh, unless she became a double agent and James Bond was uh, he denounces her and he's like uh, the job is over the bitch is dead we're moving on Um, but I think it really fucked him up and throughout other movies uh, this won't be the last time we hear of Vesper Mm -hmm.
2: this I I think the 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 line that you speak of um, the job is done and the bitch is dead I think this is important that it is in the movie it has to be here to give us that cold bond edge he is so james bond in having nobody that is close to him and having her being you know shut out in his life he can go back to being just the secret agent i
1: couldn't agree with you more so after he talks with m he figures out that it was mr white and he tracks him down to this uh, estate in lake como and we waited two hours and 24 minutes to get the the most recognizable james bond saying ever and i thought that they did it perfectly and it totally set us up for the future of this james bond and i thought it was very well done white gets shot in the leg he has a com- has a quick dialogue with uh james and you know he just says bond james bond and what follows right after that the james bond tune
2: Yes, we by John fin- Barry. Yeah. We finally get the James Bond tune in the movie.
1: Oh. Uh, no, we get. Uh, I mean, yes, in that in that capacity, but we do get an underscore of it. It's a very subtle theme. Yes, and I can't remember exactly the scene it happens, but I remember hearing going, ah. But the point is,
0: it kicks in the way that it's supposed to kick in, right? But what I loved about that was even before he said the famous line. You could hear it slowly build in the background, just a note at the time. And even just giving us that note at the time, for someone who's not even a James Bond fan, I instantly recognized it and knew, oh my God, this
1: is where they're leading. They're going to give us that tune. Yeah, and they do. And that's how the movie ends. All right, so uh, that was Casino Royale. Uh, good flick. I liked it. Professor, where would you rank Uh, casino royale in the pantheon of james bond top three all time all time top three okay uh do you have the other two that you would go with my other two
2: in no particular order skyfall goldfinger so two daniel craig one sean connery Mm -hmm. interesting and then uh a sentimental fourth is for your eyes only Ah, sentimental uh,
1: yeah
0: Do you want to know my favorite? Uh, You have one, and it's Casino Royale. No. My top one would have to be Octopussy, just because I like the name.
1: (laughs) Of course it would. Well, then you would enjoy Goldfinger. Pussy Galore. That's right. That's right. Uh, For me, I think that uh, my Casino Royale is probably top five for sure. Uh, My number one, uh, only because it was probably the very first James Bond film I've ever seen, and I've always loved it. I will watch it when it always comes on, and that's The Spy Who Loved Me.
2: Such a good movie.
1: And that is really before it went campy. GoldenEye is up there. I thought GoldenEye was absolutely wonderful. Kick-ass. And I think I like... um, I think Skyfall is probably my favorite uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond, at the moment. So...
0: Top three uh, Bonds, actors to play Bond?
1: Top three? Well, there's only six. Uh, I would go from bottom to top. I'd go George Lazenby. I would go Timothy Dalton, Sean Connery, Pierce Brosnan. Really? Yes. And then I would go... uh, uh, Because I have such a sentimental uh, feeling toward Roger Moore. So I'd probably have to say Moore is my favorite Bond, then Craig, then frosnan then connery connery then dalton then (laughs) lesenby
2: okay that's all mixed up so your number one is more your number one is more your number two craig and
1: then frosnan yeah i like pierce better than sean connery Um, sean connery created it and he was awesome in it but i just look at him and he's just such a dick and i don't I don't know why it comes across that way to me. And Dr. No is a fantastic movie and Golden Eyes are <laughs> Golden Eye and Goldfinger is great as well, you know, but other than that, uh, Thunderball, you only live twice. Diamonds are forever. I mean, I don't know. it's, it's just my opinion. They're older movies too. Yeah.
2: I can't decide if Sean Connery would be number one or if Daniel Craig would be number one.
1: But Daniel Craig is in the conversation and which is huge. So yeah, I hear you.
2: Yeah, and I think maybe I would make him number one, and then Connery two, Brosnan three. It feels really weird to having having Brosnan and or potentially you know Roger Moore being number four. That's it, it, crazy, right? It, it seems too far down the list, and then Lazenby's at the bottom,
0: and then Timothy Dalton yeah. is five. Yeah, I love the fact that both of you put Daniel Craig up near the top. Because, you know, of all the internet uproar when he was first announced and now that he's done and they're talking about a new Bond and they're throwing out all these ideas and the internet's in an uproar again, it just shows, I hate to say it, but people are full of shit, you know, until they actually see the movie, you know, until we see whoever they pick, you can't judge it because people judge this one
1: early and they were wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's happened, that happens all the time. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Professor... Favorite Bond villain.
0: Fuck you.
2: I knew you were gonna do this. I don't know. I I I really dug Remy Malik. Uh, but you know, um shit, man. Mads Mikkelsen. He 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 was awesome too. He he he's he, he just so darn, you know, sleazy. Just oh my gosh.
1: Uh I, I can't pick one. All right. My favorite Bond villain is Javier Javier Bardem skyfall so good he was brilliant I, so good i fucking loved sean bean as 006 totally um remy malik i could take or leave he, he didn't do anything he was creepy uh, yeah he was okay i like christoph waltz better than malik um but if we're going back in time i think the guy who uh the spy who loved me uh, the guy who plays the maniacal i thought he was a great mm-hmm. uh, villain and then blofeld Right, I mean, whatever iteration you want. Classic. Of him, Who did Lofo Christopher was, Walken play? Christopher Walken played Mac Zorin, and v- he wasn't really was, "View v- to a Kill." He wasn't very memorable. Wasn't no. no. Uh, sadly, outside he, of the theme song, "A v- View to a Kill" wasn't very memorable. Yeah. It. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything? Anything at all? Just pick one
2: for a favorite villain. Yeah. <sighs> it's... Just pick. All right, all right. Um, No. (laughs) There's so many that I like. Pick! For for different reasons.
1: Just pick one. Just say one. Just say one. You, Don. I'm not a villain, bud. I am nothing but the hero. You would make a great Bond villain. I fucking know I would. Except you'd win. Uh, Of course I would. Javier Bardem. Yeah, fucking solid, right? Creepy. And, and, and... He's disturbing. He... He's not hell-bent on world domination. He wants revenge on that one person. We're not going to say anything, because Dickhead Hero hasn't seen Skyfall.
0: Well, which movie was he in?
1: Skyfall. He was Skyfall. The oh. third Daniel Craig movie. Okay, so I haven't gotten there no, You haven't got there yet, but you will. That's good shit. In fact, I think I want to watch James Bond this weekend. Mm. Oh, wait, no, wait. Can't we got some good fellas? That's for a different time. Um, okay, so we talked about theme. We talked about villain. We talked about our favorite Bond Favorite Bond movie. Favorite gadget. Oh, good question. We uh, didn't We didn't get a gadget in this. No, we didn't because he was pre-James Bond. Well, who else was missing from this movie? Q, and we don't even get Q in Quantum of Solace either. We do not get Q until Skyfall, and we don't get Money Penny until Skyfall. So really, listeners, if you watch Quantum of Solace, go right ahead... If you watch Casino Royale, go ahead and just jump right into Quantum of Solace because really, Quantum of Solace is just a continuation of the same exact story. It yeah. actually
0: takes place an hour after the last movie.
1: Is that what they say?
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, and plus so, it has a kick-ass
1: theme song. So, do you have a favorite gadget? The the uh, are we talking gadget or vehicle?
2: Either a- they're both. Anything that's gadgets. introduced by Q. I
1: think that uh, his watches are always fun. Uh, The the pin click from GoldenEye, Uh, the one that Alan Cumming is clicking. Uh, I think my favorite car is the newest Aston Martin from No Time to Die when he's doing the donuts and the guns and the blah, blah, blah. Um, I love when they introduce it in Skyfall, so I like the Aston Martin, but I think I would pick the Lotus from The Spy Who Loved Me that turns into a fucking submarine.
0: Professor, you got a favorite?
2: I love the Lotus, the submarine Lotus. And then when he pulls up onto the beach and he drops the fish out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got one for you, buddy. Uh, Just, if you can remember, favorite opening. You're
0: not Uh, even going to ask me what my favorite gadget was?
1: You've seen one James
0: Bond movie. Well, let me ask you this. Which James Bond movie was it that they introduced the
1: phone in the shoe? Yeah, you're fucking done. What did I say? Oh, favorite opening. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Favorite opening?
2: Well, one of my favorites that I really, really dig is Thunderball's opening, where the guy is dressed up as the, the the widow, and then he and then he smacks her, and oh, it's the guy, and then they tear the place apart, and then uh, after he kills him, then the bad guys' henchmen break into the room, and what does he do? He stops and he eats a grape. and
1: then he leaves i would have to go so the spy who loved me and a view to a kill kind of have the same opening uh he's skiing yeah, but in mm-hmm. the Spy Who Loved Me, he jumps off the thing in the, the big uh, Union Jack flag. Blah, blah, blah. Yep, fucking brilliant. But I have to say, I really did love GoldenEye's opening. I was, that's what I was going to say, right? If you said anything else, I was saying GoldenEye. So before GoldenEye, you get the Living Daylights and License to Kill. License to Kill was much better than Living Daylights. And I think if Timothy yeah. Dalton had got a more of a shot, maybe he could have done something with it. But they wanted Pierce Brosnan all along. So when Pierce Brosnan comes along and that, Uh, beginning of golden eye happens and it it was fucking brilliant and i loved it and then tina turner came in with the fucking theme song so i think that either golden eye or uh the spy who loved me again (laughs) my favorite opening
0: i was going to ask you guys what you thought was the most tender moment in the bond series but i already know the answer is when jaws falls in love with that blonde girl
1: (laughs) from moonraker yeah so that
0: that was the most tender moment of all the bond series
1: uh, if you can remember or think of any favorite name of the female sidekicks, Pussy Galore.
0: I think it, I, it's got to be Pussy I like, Galore.
1: I like Doctor Goodhead. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, Pussy yeah, Galore and Goldfinger. Galore. Yeah, yeah. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick, John. Do you want to rate this flick?
0: Oh, not yet.
1: Damn it! And now it's time for John's.
0: moment. so of course this is the time in our podcast that i like to relate every movie that we watch to lord of the rings and of course casino royale is no different it does fit into the category of a movie that relates to lord of the rings now the first question when i'm watching these movies is i always ask myself who is frodo who would be that character Well, Frodo was on a mission assigned to him by a governing body. He was helped along the way by others and he had a mission that he took very personally and often felt like he was the only one he could trust. And although Frodo never earned his double O status, he never actually killed anybody in any of the movies, James Bond is Frodo. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. He can't fail just like Frodo can't fail. Both have trouble trusting others. While the ring makes Frodo invisible, Bond uses his ring as a distraction to make his actions invisible. Like Frodo, Bond takes on an impossible mission that requires him to go places unnoticed and requires lots of luck. Both are even poisoned and taken to the brink of death. As the mission unfolds, the effects of the ring forever changes both of them. He lost a part of himself, and he was never the same as he was before. So what about Vesper Lind? The obvious answer is that she's Frodo's Sam. She's there to help him, to encourage him, and to point out when he's straying from his path. But no, she's not Sam. She's something more important than that. She is the One Ring. In Lord of the Rings, Frodo is constantly tempted by the ring. It has an empowering yet corrupting effect on him throughout the series. Vesper similarly tempts, empowers, and eventually corrupts Bond, whether it's through the money for the card game, the way that she mentally spars with him, and the way that his love for her weakens his defenses. Bond even comments that he uses her as a distraction to make his actions invisible to others. And like Frodo's burden with the ring, the closer he grows to Vesper, the weaker he becomes, and his armor fades. His will decreases the more she's around, until finally he gives into his feelings and resigns from MI6, much like how Frodo gave into the ring at the edge of Mount Doom. It is not until that she is destroyed that he's able to become 007 James Bond again. And like in Lord of the Rings, it was someone else who actually destroyed the ring. It was Gollum in Lord of the Rings. And in this case, it was Mr. White in Casino Royale that led Vesper to the path of her destruction. Now, going a little bit farther, I want to do just one more character uh, because I didn't feel like a lot of other felt. I want to touch on where Lashif fits into this, you know, comparison. And I thought, well, is he supposed to be Sauron? Is he supposed to be an orc? Where does he fit in? Well, he basically is someone who works for the benefit of a master. You know, he's trying to find, you know, make his own way and make his own goals and solve them, at the same time serving a higher power. So for this reason, I put him as Sauron the
1: White. I kind of thought that when, as soon as you said Le I was thinking, ah, who would he be? Uh, Saruman, I guess, would be comparable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That wasn't too bad there, buddy. Uh, Not too bad.
0: I would go on, but I want to save the other characters for later movies.
1: Oh, lucky fucking us. All right, Professor, give him a grade. C plus. I concur. C plus for me as well. I thought that was one of
0: my best comparisons. That's why you got the C. Plus. That's exactly. Yeah, that's why you got the C okay. But you've given me a C C+, before. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, but that one was. I mean, they're equally as. You know. That's good, good. I with guess. Vesper is the One Ring. Hey, hey, you can blow your own horn all you want. If
0: I could, I wouldn't be here.
1: <laughs> I'd have better things to do. And that was John's
0: my precious
1: moment. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. Hey, Professor, how do we rate our movies?
2: We rate our movies on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that you think is cinematic gold. You are ready to watch that anytime. If you walked out of the theater, you're turning around and walking back in the theater. Hey, you want to go watch that again? Or, you know, somebody says, you want to watch that? Yes, I do. A one fuck movie is a movie that you've seen. You're done after you've seen it. No reason to ever see it again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is a movie where somebody owes you two hours of your life back. You know what? Fuck you for making we watch that. That, that,
1: that, You suck. And in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right, John, you're up. With Casino Royale, we get a
0: well-crafted spy story with all the proper twists and turns and betrayal expected. I appreciate how this movie not only ties up the current story, but gives us a glimpse into the making of the next version of a 007 James Bond movie. It sets us up for the next movie very well. At the end of this movie, as the slow music starts to build, and you recognize that classic Bond theme, it gives you that payoff that we've been looking for in this film. And we finally get to meet Bond James Bond. The fight scenes, especially the parkour scene early on, was beautifully choreographed. You can easily see how the born identity, in my opinion, led to this style of fighting, this you know this bond fighting style now. The locations they chose were amazing. I especially appreciated the close-up camera shots that easily defined each character's emotions without even words being said. I also appreciated. The director's choice regarding filming style, whether it was gritty, clean, or whatever, it matched the scene. My only gripe is that Daniel Craig isn't as suave as other Bond actors. He's rough. He doesn't fit the same expected James Bond mold. But that's excusable. This is our look at Bond in the making. We get a glimpse of the beginning of the transformation from blunt instrument to suave super spy. Spy movies aren't typically my thing. I feel like some authors just write their main character into impossible situations, then lazily write them out of it through luck or a far-fetched feedback or something else that wasn't really built up to. I like the progression of this movie, even though it came down to luck for Bond to win the card game. But that's not an issue because the movie went on from there to give us a better payoff than just the hero winning from luck. If the movie had ended with that lucky hand, I would have been severely disappointed. Do I want to rewatch this movie anytime soon? The first time I saw this movie was about 10 years ago. I could actually go another 10 years without needing to see Casino Royale again. So rewatchability score is low for me, but at the same time, this movie does make me want to watch the next in the series. So really, mission accomplished. Would I recommend this movie to others? I would highly recommend it to anybody who loves Bond or Born Identity or that type of themed spy movie. I haven't seen many Bond movies, or I haven't seen at least as many as these two guys have, but I would probably include this one in my top five, maybe my number one for fight choreography in any of the Bond movies. But again... I've got four more to see after this, so I may change my opinion on that. With all of that being said, my rating for this movie, four fucks. Wow.
2: Okay. That's pretty high. For something that he was apprehensive
1: to watch. Yeah. But hey, that's why we do this, right? You want to go or you want me to go? You go. All right. I thought Casino Royale was a great reintroduction to a character that I had already known for decades. Uh, We got to see James Bond's MI6 origin story. Uh, We got to see him raw and unapologetic. There were old elements from the character and old movies that they sprinkled in that I really appreciated. Uh, As a Bond fan, I really enjoyed the nods to previous films and just previous versions of this character. I thought that Daniel Craig embodied James Bond very well. And is one of the top actors to ever play James Bond. And I think that with him now stepping down and not being James Bond, I think that I guess we'll have to see where the franchise goes. Uh, But I, for one, will miss him as James Bond because I thought he brought uh, a coolness and a style and uh, a debonairness to the character that hadn't really been done uh, previously. The action set pieces in this film just kept getting bigger and bigger, and you just they just left your uh, jaw wide open and asking yourself, how the fuck did they do all that? And with future installments, it's the same thing. They just keep getting bigger and bigger and better. Um, I really, really appreciated this movie. I'm glad that they rebooted it. I guess the only thing uh, it had going against it for me was it was a tad long and i should know better because like i said earlier there's no such thing as a short james bond movie but there were a couple of scenes here that it dragged a little bit for me and that third act was one of them i would watch casino royale whenever it's on i enjoy this film it's not my favorite of the daniel craig movies but it's number two easily number two um So, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, this flick. I enjoyed the ride that Daniel Craig took us on. And for that, I am giving Casino Royale 3.75 fucks. Sweet.
2: So, Casino Royale. Casino Royale is easily one of the best Bond movies ever made. It is turning James Bond on its head from what we have had from, what are we talking about, like 20 previous movies He is reinventing Bond in his own way. Each one of these actors, Sean Connery, Timothy Dalton, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, they all have their own James Bond. And Daniel Craig absolutely makes his own James Bond when you're thinking, you know, how how does a new person step into these shoes? And he does it just what we need today, which is a no-nonsense, no-bullshit, Cocky, overconfident, sophisticated, super smart, cunning. All of those things I was talking about at the beginning. He he boldly steps into this, and I think that he is fantastic as James Bond. And it's going to be hard to see somebody else get as good as him. But, you know, time will tell if we get that or not. The whole opening parkour scene, Man, that was just fantastic to watch. It was just so over the top. We haven't seen something like that in ages in a Bond movie. It was so fantastic. I loved our, our, our female characters as I was speaking earlier in the movie. Fantastic. I totally dug James Bond becoming James Bond in this movie. It is done so, so brilliantly. I think that that opening black-and-white sequence, watching him uh, come into being a double-O agent, has to be one of my top five favorite intros. Done so stylishly. Done so uh, efficiently. I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. I give this movie a solid
1: 4.75 fucks. All right. With 3.75 fucks from me, 4 fucks from John and 4.75 fucks from The Professor, that gives Casino Royale a average of 4.2 fucks, which puts it in the nice spot, tied with The Big Lebowski, Top Gun Maverick, The Breakfast Club, and Thor Love and Thunder. It is slightly better than Clerks 3, Violent Night, and Dodgeball, and slightly worse than Ghostbusters Afterlife and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. So there you have it. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you want to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out our website. And uh, speaking of which, hey, John, where can they find us?
0: Well, as always, they can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, where we post all of our podcasts teasers for our next podcast Our show notes uh they can also find us at any social media sites or any uh any place that hosts
1: podcasts all right i just want to thank zach ronnie and jill for always listening keep on listening thanks zach thanks ronnie thanks jill and i want to thank anyone else who listens to us and who has suggested a movie if you keep listening we'll keep recording for three guys in a flick i'm don i'm john and i'm bond
2: James Bond. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, but remember, remember, he's, he's more or less a Bond virgin.
0: I'm confused. Where was Matt Damon throughout this whole movie? Was he not born yet, or was he?
1: <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Was he not born yet? That's good. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh actually. my god! Are you kidding oh, really? me? That was yeah. an accident. <laughs>
0: trying to make the joke that maybe he was Bond's kid. Oh <laughs> shit! That's good because he knew he'd constantly be compared to her, and that's one. He thought that that's one of the things that people would only bring up about the movie.
1: Well, he was wrong about that too. Yeah. So he looked really fucking good, though. He did really. Quickly. He was ripped. He was ripped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. I gotta edit that out. Uh, go back and watch Doctor No, and you'll be able to know. Okay. I'll be in the know. <laughs> you'll be in. God damn it. La chief's lover, Vanika, poisons Bonds. Martina. Martina. You son of a bitch. So he gets up. He grabs some salt, and I guess through his CIA training or his MI6 training, he this counteracts poison or whatever. He, and uh, salt water makes you throw up, so that's why he was trying to drink salt water. Oh god damn it that makes so much more sense. <laughs> I got to cut that out so I don't sound stupid. I could already think up the porn movie f- name for that one. Of Goldfinger?
0: Yeah. Golden Shower? No, Goldfingered. <laughs> Sorry to step on your toes professor. No, please by all means.
1: Four three guys on <laughs> three guys on a flick <laughs> on a plane. No. All right, fuck off. Good night.